What's going on, everybody? Hotep to all my family out there. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for rocking with me. Thank you for supporting me. Um, if you're wondering what this is, this is my new podcast on the uh, Mighty Motivation Network uh, entitled uh, My Unapologetic Perspective. And I really want to do this this um, this podcast to be able to get a lot of things off of my chest uh, when it comes to certain current events, uh, certain things that may be controversial to talk about. Um, and yeah, I wanted to give the African-American perspective, my perspective, um, things that I've experienced and, and just looking at uh, the world with my knowledge and my intellect, uh, because I've had conversations with people privately um, that I may not feel comfortable talking about publicly. And uh, people said, no, nah, you should you should definitely talk about this. Uh, publicly. So this is me um, being unapologetic about my perspective. Uh, I'm not saying that everything that I'm saying is going to be 100% accurate in your eyes, but it's my perspective. And I don't apologize for that. It's, it's my experience. And that's the only thing I can give. And um, yeah, I'm just here to um, give knowledge as best as I can. And um, really, um, push the envelope forward for especially the African and American people here in this country with whatever I can do. And if it's my words, then, um, then that's what it'll be. So this episode is sponsored out of love by high flyer 22 gaming, which is a platform where entertainer Derek Robinson creates comedy and motivation through streaming video game content. You can follow him on YouTube at Highflyer22 and on Facebook at Highflyer22Gaming. That is H-I-F-L-Y-E-R-22 on YouTube and the same thing but add gaming on Facebook. And uh, he puts out a lot of great content, uh, entertaining content, and he also continues to give back to the community with the um money he makes off that platform so thank you Derek robinson for um all that you do brother so we're going to jump right into uh today's episode and um this one is called the power of words and i really wanted to focus on the example of poetry and the reason why i wanted to do that is because watching the of course the 2021 inauguration of joe biden and uh, Kamala Harris, um, our sister Amanda Gorman, really stole the show with her poem, The Hill We Climb, in which she also performed at the 2021 Super Bowl. And she did a phenomenal job at inspiring, motivating, and healing this country through her words. And especially in the African-American community, I believe we have to understand how important our words are, how powerful our words are, either for the um, benefit of people or for the destruction of people. And I really want to focus on tonight on how we are able to do it in a beneficial way and really tap into our feelings and our emotions to be able to convey this in the best way possible. Um, and my favorite line from from that poem was, you know, while democracy can be periodically delayed, it can never be permanently deleted. Um, she really inspired the country with, with her words. And uh, I believe it's important that we really dive in, into this um, 
into this topic. Uh, so let's go ahead and define poetry. So define poetry is literary work and where special intensity is given to the expression of feelings and ideas by the use of distinctive style and rhythm. So just by that definition, we know that poetry is an expression of feelings, emotions, or even your own reality. And we can definitely see this amongst the African-American people, whether it's spiritually, whether it's socially, whether it's romantically, or whether it's politically. You know, we use a lot of our words for power through our everyday lives that really shape us and, and to who we are. And we can go back to the origins of poetry, which comes out of Africa. I read in an article that um, our ancestors in Africa would use poetry before they went on a hunt. So they would do poetry for the weapons. They would do poetry for just the proudness of the hunt and, and celebration of, of hunting. And they also would do poetry whenever courting a, uh, a companion or whenever doing ceremonial uh, marriages. And then, of course, they would do poetry when it came to spirituality, which we can still see in our everyday lives today. Um, and we're going to dive a lot into, into that. And you also can see, especially in history, if you just look at the African-American history, you can definitely see how powerful words are just on the plantations of our brothers and sisters that were in enslavement, uh, our ancestors that were in enslavement. And um, if you watch the Black Church uh, new documentary by Henry Louis Gates Jr., he talks about, you know, the spirituality system on the plantation before they really knew what church was. And of course, they were not able to read and write. So they began to create their own songs to Jesus, create their own songs to Moses and began to sing those songs. But not only did they create these songs for spirituality reasons, they created songs to be able to communicate to each other um, that maybe the slave owner or the overseer would not be able to understand. And that just shows you how amazing and intellectual our ancestors were and how they use communication through the power of words in a um, informative and beneficial way. Um, as you can see, as we go through our own lineage, you know, we can see that those e old Negro spirituals of what they call eventually turn into gospel music. And then gospel music turn into blues music, blues music turn into jazz music, jazz music turn into hip hop music. And it's, it's a continuous cycle of, using our power of words through poetry, through music, through dance, uh, to be able to create communication to the rest of the African and American world. And a lot of people don't understand the music. A lot of people don't understand the words. They don't understand the dancing because only the people who know the interpretation of it can really have a form of love to the art that's given to them. So, you know, we can look at the genres of music and see uh, the power of words, of course, that come straight out of the African origins um, of the African-American. Uh, of course, we can see it spiritually for all the people who follow a religious belief, whether it's Christianity, whether it's Islam or rather you um, you talk to your ancestors like me, then you can start seeing that this style and approach. If you go into a church, um, an African-American church predominantly, you will start seeing the praise and worship is a lot more intense. 
The prayers out loud are a lot more intense. The preaching style is a lot more intense because the power of words can move you while you're saying it or saying it. And the power of words can move the people that are that are listening and, and engaging into the, 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 the words that are being formulated to you. So we see this in everyday spirituality system uh, through the power of words. We see it in testimonies. You know, if you if you hear somebody giving their testimony, especially of the African-American, you know, we've been through so much. And through that communication style of telling our story, people connect with it because there is a lot of passion behind us giving our testimony. There is a lot of expressing of feelings when giving our testimony. And when we do that, people begin to gravitate towards it because they say, hey, I went through that too. And we can go right back again to our ancestors who began to do that with writing their own autobiographies about slavery, about their tormenting, being tormented by, you know, slave masters, by them being um, beating, by them seeing people being killed. We see this through autobiographies like Frederick Douglass, like a uh, Sojourner Truth. We see this. And we understand that people began to gravitate towards them as powerful leaders because they say, I understand that because I seen that too. And that is something that's very true amongst the African-American community is we tend to connect with each other when we share the same stories. We share the same backgrounds. We share the same um, experiences and feelings. Um, things like Maya Angelou and our rise. Uh, Sojourner Truth and I, a woman, will not only bring inspiration and motivation, but it also brings healing to the people who can relate to it. We can see the power of words politically. Um, if you looked at Dr. King, Dr. King performing the I Have a Dream speech, and he freestyled the I Have a Dream speech uh, from what he had written. And when freestyling it in poetry style, you, you begin to not care about who you offend and not care about how your emotions are shown. You're just continuously going off the momentum of your emotions and you do it in an unapologetic way, which is why the I have a dream speech was so powerful because the power of words, when it has feeling emotions and passions attached to it becomes even more powerful to the ears that are hearing it because they feel what you're saying. They feel what you're going through and they're able to relate to it, not just in the motivational way, but in a healing way. Um, we see it in uh, we've seen it in Barack Obama. Barack Obama was just given a speech for um, I believe his name was John Kerry, um, who was running for office. And after he gave an incredible speech at one of um, John Kerry's campaign things. They came to him and said, is this going to be our first black president? Like you should be running for president and not John Kerry because you have the power to move people. And it was only through a speech that Barack Obama became popular because of how he was able to engage his audience by the poetic style of him talking. We can even see it in Colin Kaepernick for the people that are offended. I don't care. Again, my unapologetic perspective. Um, when we look at Colin Kaepernick kneeling, he's not saying anything, but behind it, he's saying so much. 
And I think that is the misconception when it comes to kneeling is a lot of people were not trying to figure out what he was saying through taking a knee. A lot of people are not trying to see what NBA players, NFL players, baseball players are saying by them being united during the national anthem. A lot of people are not listening because they don't understand the communication style. They don't understand the power of words and even He's not, even though he's not saying anything physically with his mouth or verbally, he's saying so much with taking a knee, but so many people aren't listening to what he's saying. And that again, uh, Dr. King also said that, you know, um, rioting is the language of the oppressed. So even Dr. King knew that violence, um, erupting from the African American community is because they're not being listened to. So that's why the power of words is not only important to the person that's speaking it, it's important to the people who should be listening. So we have to understand that not only in the African-American community, but as the American community altogether. Uh, for me personally, you can see the power of words through the physical. Uh, as a motivational speaker, I know some people may not ever take notes when I'm talking. But I know that my words is going to be powerful enough that it's going to motivate them into the next day or to their next assignment or into their next goal is because the words that I'm saying it and how I'm saying it can move people. Um, if you're trying to do a goal or going to the gym, uh, most people are looking for accountability partner and you just need that accountability partner to communicate to you, to tell you with powerful words behind it, say, Hey, it's time to do this. You need to do this. You shouldn't eat that. So we understand how the need for words brings us to life every single day. And we also can see it socially. The power of words is just so, it's everywhere when it comes to the African-American community. Um, we see it, of course, through the hip-hop culture. You know, it's the hip-hop culture is the most influential culture in the world. And there are so many, there are negative things in rap. We, we, we have to have accountability and understand there are negative things in rap. But when rappers are talking, they're only expressing their feelings and emotions from their perspective. Some of the rappers who are rapping only know what they're talking about. So you expect some of these rappers to be um, so motivational, but at some point they can't be because they're giving you their reality. When you when they look outside their window, this is what they see. They see drug dealers. When they're in the club, this is what they see. Women dressing this way and 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 doing these sexual acts or whatever the case may be of what people don't like about rap music, but they're giving you their reality. And that's no, that's no different than authors uh writing a book about a fictional book that has so much sex in it or rape in it or killing in it, and they're just giving you reality. So I think we have to understand who the author is and why they're doing it the way that they're doing it, because some of them are just giving their perspective. And a lot of times we see rappers give their perspective and then years later, they continuously grow and the content changes. We see this in, in Jay-Z who began, you know, rapping about selling uh, drugs to now he's rapping about how to start a business how to make money, how to be politically aware, how to be socially aware. We're hearing this in, in, in rap. We're hearing this from um, in mentorship through P. Diddy. 
We're seeing billionaires like Dr. Dre. We're seeing stuff in, in music and the hip hop culture that we see the growth of, of people who come from a certain reality and they convey their message through poetry or through music. And then once they get a certain level of maturity and, and exposure to, to new lifestyles, they begin to change theirs. And, and to be honest with you, some of the people that are complaining about it don't even like it when they do it. Because we can see somebody like a young Jeezy who talked about selling drugs and cooking drugs in, in the 2000s. And then when he drops a mature album not talking about that anymore, we hate it. So we have to give artists in the music industry um, an opportunity to grow and mature and respect them when they do. So just because they come from a certain background doesn't mean that's going to remain their reality forever. So we have to begin to champion their words whenever it grows. And we have to meet people where they are and say, okay, that might have been your reality then. Now, what can you give us now? And of course, there are rappers who never live their reality and they 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 taint the, the art, they taint the uh, poetic feel that we get. But um, we're going to save that conversation for another day because we can go on and on about that. But one thing in the music that I do want to talk about is my love for Tupac. Like, I believe Tupac has some of the most timeless music. And he did say a lot of crazy stuff. He did talk a lot, talk about stuff that um, people shouldn't follow, of course. But whenever he really put poetry in his music, and pain and passion and reality into his music, you're talking about music that's going to be played for hundreds of years because it's always going to be um, a struggle that somebody's going to relate to. And that's why I love Tupac so much. And I believe we have to begin to look in the positivity of people. I'm a person that, that always looks at the glass half full. So I'm looking at the positivity of our social lives of people who... Other people may call him the devil or evil or whatever. No, I'm looking for the positive in them and I'm taking some of their words and I'm saying, okay, this is powerful. Let's move this envelope forward and let's continue to push this type of content. So what does all of this mean? Why do we need the power of words? What can we do um, as a, a youth mentor and, and motivator? One of the main things that we can do is, is parenting, you know, because let's, let's have an honest discussion is, you know, when I watch videos on YouTube or Facebook and I see uh, the laughing emoji under a nine-year-old cussing somebody out, we have to understand the power of words. We have to understand that that's not funny because he gets that from what he hears every single day. So if he's cursing at age eight, nine, ten years old, then what else is he hearing? What else is, is pushing this child to a reality based off of words that are destructive? Now, whether you cuss as an adult or not, I'm not here to argue that. But understanding that a child using certain language, using certain words can be destructive in school, in the community, and in life. And we have to understand that for our, for our kids. So we have to begin to be conscious of what we're saying, how we're saying it. You know what I'm saying? So that's one of the perspectives that I have is be very careful what you say around children and be careful how you speak to children. Um, 
you can't just call your kid dumb because they got a question wrong when you're helping them with their homework. You're, you're putting words into their brain. Someone else, somebody else called them dumb and they know their mom or dad called them dumb. They, they're not going to, they're not going to argue that because you have, you have put it into their head and you may not have meant it, but kids take things literally. They don't understand that you're pushing them. They don't understand that you're driving them. And we have to be very aware of how we convey our words to our kids. We have to be very aware of that. Um, even teachers and mentors, we have to be very aware of how we're speaking to the kids in our community and our everyday lives. And I'll be honest, when mentoring kids, I understand that I have to talk to the African-American kid and the Caucasian kid differently. I'm being honest, not just because of the way I, I approach in my tone, but the way that the African-American receive words. And I know that the African-American kid, the last thing that they, they want is somebody to sugarcoat something for them. Let's be real. Any African-American tell you, listen, don't sugarcoat nothing for me. Don't beat around the bush. I want you to be real. That's one word you're going to hear in the African-American community is real. We like for people to be real. So my mom used to always tell me all the time when I was a kid, she was like, yo, if you tell me the truth, I ain't going to be as mad. But if you lie to me to my face, I'm going to be real mad. And we take that in our everyday lives. We have no problem with people being honest with you. We're respected at the end of the day, even if we don't agree with you. But if you're not honest with us and you're being two-faced and you're, you're really being, um, being around the bush, we're not going to respect that. And the kids understand that at an early age. I was having, a, I had a meeting with some, um, some Caucasian folks and they meant well. Um, and one of the things that they asked me was, how can we help? African-American kids in the community. And my answer was very simple. You just got to be, you got to be sincere because African-Americans, especially kids, even they can sense when somebody is trying to use them or manipulate them. So if your only goal is to be in contact with an African-American child to gain exposure or treat them as if they're charity, they're not going to respect you. Or if they feel like you sugarcoating things, they're not going to respect you at the end of the day. They'll use you because they understand you using them, so they'll use you back. But they're not going to respect you at the end of the day. So one of the things that I do when I talk to African-American kids, I'm 100% honest with them. I am 100% honest with them. I let them know when you go to school, there are some things that some Caucasian kids may get away with that you're not going to get away with because of the country that we live in and the social status that African-Americans have in this country that some people are going to consider you a threat. And I'm being honest because I dealt with it. I see it every single day. And again, some people may not agree, but I've seen it happen. I've seen Caucasians do things and the African-American kid does the same thing. And I've seen the Caucasian kid not get anything. And I've seen the, the African-American kid get expelled or suspended or arrested or whatever the case may be. And I'm just being honest. So we have to learn when speaking to the African-American kid that you have to be honest with them. Number one, and you have to challenge them for two. 
But when you challenge them, you have to do it in a way that you give them tough love. Because again, the power of words is everything. So if you challenge them and they feel like you're only challenging them because you hate them, they're not going to, they're not going to fall in line to it because they can sense that as well. Like you can tell them that it's tough love, but if they feel like if it's tough love, then you're going to be hard on me. And then you're also going to pull me closer and explain some things to me. So you have to draw the line between trying to be too hard on somebody and not give them that love and support that they need. Because a lot of African-American children need love and support. And that's one of the things that is missing in the African-American conversation and communication on an everyday basis is giving them that love and support. So just from the poetic style, we can see so many things about the African-Americans um, when it comes to the power of words and why it's important to choose our words carefully and why it's important to channel those words as best as we can. I don't care what you do. Yeah, I'm not telling you to write down um, poetry. I'm telling you to use it. Uh, please use it in your everyday life. That whatever you do, you do it in a poetic way. Whatever you, the conversations that you have, you do it in an inspiring and motivational way to get your point across. To make people understand where you're coming from. Whenever you're dealing with your kids, do it in a way to make you get your point across to, to be beneficial and not destructive. My point is, if you're an entrepreneur, that you make sure your customer service is, 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 is top notch and being able to communicate to the people that you're serving. My, my point is that whatever you do in life, whatever gift that you're using, you understand that every word that you say is critical and how you say the word is critical. So we have to see the power of words. And again, it goes back to our ancestors. We understood, they understood this in Africa. They understood the power of words through spirituality. They understood the power of words of communication with each other. They understood the power of words on the plantation. They understood the power of words through the Harlem Renaissance. They understood the power of words and building this nation. They understood the power of words through the civil rights movement. They understood the power of words through the uh, Black Panther Party. They understood the power of words through the Nation of Islam and Malcolm X. They understood the power of words if it's Muhammad Ali fighting in the ring. We understood the power of words if it's Barack Obama and Michelle Obama. We understand the power of words when it's Maya Angelou, True Sojourner, Langston Hughes. We understand the power of words even if it's Drake, Beyonce, Jay-Z. We understand the power of words and how it influences and it encourages, how it motivates and it can be beneficial when used in the right way. But if it's not used in the wrong way, it could be if it, it could be destructive to our people. It could be destructive to our community. It could be destructive to the world because African and American communication and power of words is the most influential thing that we can see in America. If you go to any other country, the first, if you ask them, do you know such and such? They might not even know who the president of the United States is in other countries. But I guarantee you, they can tell you who LeBron James is. They may not know who certain millionaires is in the United States of America. But I guarantee they can tell you Wu-Tang Clan. I guarantee you they can tell you who Jay-Z is. So we have to understand in the African-American community as an African-American people how important our words are because it's one of the most influential things that you will ever see in the world. Um, so that's all I have for today, man. Um, again, thanks for everybody tuning in. If you're on my YouTube, um, comment underneath your perspective and 
I'm okay with that. Listen, my feelings ain't going to be hurt if you if you disagree with me, whether you're black, white, Asian, Hispanic, whatever the case may be. I don't care. This is my unapologetic, unapologetic perspective. We can agree. We can disagree. We can disagree to agree. Doesn't matter to me. <laughs> that, might, that might be my new slogan. All right. We can agree. We can disagree. We can agree to disagree. Makes no problem to me. Uh-huh. Hey, I'm Mar, Mar Trey Stevens of the Mighty Motivation Network. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thank everybody for supporting and rocking with me. I have love for everybody. Let's make that clear. But I have to, I have to be able to give out my perspective. Peace and love and happiness.